The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. All right. Ding, ding. ding nice ding. pour with dings. Ready to go. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome ding, to the Winemakers. Ding, yes. ding, ding, ding. I'm John Myers with Bart Hansen and uh, Brian Casey and Sam Katuri and Brooke Delmas. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Hi. If the show starts with the bell, I'm more compelled to show up late. It's just like something about the schoolness of it. You yeah, know? well. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, all oh, okay. Sam's late. And, 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 yeah. and Paul, <laughs> Pablo Blanco hanging out here. And, oh, I want to give a shout out real quick. Rob Wildman. Rob. Thank you for the pretzels. Deach Brothers pretzels from Findlay, Ohio. So there we go. Shout out Findlay, Ohio. Shout out. A holiday. Happy holidays from everybody. I think we should start a tradition where listeners send us food products that we can start every show with. (laughs) Ooh, that's That's very good. That's a brilliant idea. That's and good. we have decanted wine this morning, I which know, is like the well, wait a minute. first, man. But we also started with a little bit of um, cognac. We start, just started just to the clean the glasses. Breakfast, breakfast cognac. Champions, man. Joni Boots, breakfast cognac. Right. Hey, congratulations, Bart. Um, you got a gold and it's two golds and two silvers in the, is it the Chronicle competition? Chron- Chronicle wine competition. Congrats. If I, that's any awesome. way to get some wine in front of Esther, um, <laughs> friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, uh, of course I'm really happy. Um, Shannon's never, um, uh, Shannon from me has never won a gold medal. So, um, I feel like that's an accomplishment. Um, they just don't give one out. Yeah, I mean, it, if it doesn't um, exist, yeah, 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 it's usually something from Clarksburg that's sweet, or something. If there's international wines, yeah, Dwayne has done. He, they've done very wait, well. Wait, Dwayne Wade makes a Chenin Blanc. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, we think it's blended with Sauvignon Blanc, and it's um, uh, who? Where do they make their wine over there? That uh, Paul Meyer. So, ah, um, oh, that's a good know. place. Well, congratulations. Yeah, it's thanks. really cool. And then the Los Chambos really cool. um, uh, you know, Moon Mountain District Zinfandel. Moon Mountain District Zinfandel. And, and it, I think that wine really deserved a gold medal. As a matter of fact, I have other opinions on it um, <laughs> that I think it actually deserved more. <laughs> but, you know, that's how we feel about all of our wines, right, Brooke? Of course. Of course we do. And is the Los, points all around. Is the, are those head-trained Zinfandel vines up there in Los Chambos? You know, I mean, they essentially are. Um, just because they've just been, I think they were probably all cane pruned, and then because of the pruning techniques, they've kind of become more they've head pruned, into head trained. Tra- yeah. They've sort of like taken their natural course. Well, yeah, and and the other thing is, is because it's 
there's no water holding capacity up there at all. Right. So the vines are kind of stunted anyway, um, even especially, you know, the last few years. Um, not stunted, but, you know, they're not, they're not real uh, – help me out, Sam. Uh, vigorous. Not real mm-hmm. vigorous. And so they kind of self-regulate themselves. What are those um, soils up there? Uh, uh, basalt. Yeah. It's, it's rock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could give you directions and you I'd could go check it out. I'd love to check it out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just a big pile of rocks, big pile of volcanic rock. Well, yeah. we all love rocks yeah. here, so we you know. do. Muchas piedras. We, I opened a bottle of muchas piedras. <laughs> nice. It's head trained, head trained vines. I just got to note that uh, um, girl in the fig is having a 25th anniversary dinner um, at Sweet D, February 20th. Sounds like a fun time. Oh, very I cool. I just got that, and uh, I tried to get Sandra over here. I talked to her this morning, but she had an appointment at 11 o'clock. Well, so good. We, then we, we covered definitely it. Definitely got to get Sandra and and John, I guess, if he's listening. Maybe uh, Brian hey, nodding yeah. vigorously in one yeah. direction or the other. <laughs> anyway, it looks like a fun time, and I've, I remember plenty of. Uh, well, I remember well, your your dinner over there, Bart. That was awesome. The, well, the twentieth anniversary girl in the fig dinner, which was the the horseshoe in the plaza, you know, oh, duck confit fun. for five hundred of. Sandra's closest friends, yep, and that was and uh, that was <laughs> that was an epic. Night. Yeah, that was yeah. an epic event because it was, was perfect weather. Right. Um, if you made a way around the table, who knew what kind yeah. of wine? Oh, there was yeah. yeah, there was yeah. everything was out there. Yeah. Isn't every dinner like a girl in the fig just the most epic experience? And then like you triple it with that many people, I can't even imagine how awesome that that's would be. that's what it was. I mean, it was like yeah. it was the girl in the fig experience distillate because it was just like so, cool. so concentrated girl you know yeah like you know down to the lentil um <laughs> nice. i do i do love when people come to visit which shout out to all the listeners that have been out visiting um we'll come back to that but when you t- they ask you where to go you know and what do you like there and i always say the chicken thighs the girl in the fig and they go really what about all these other things i'm like I can't make chicken thighs like that at home. No, yeah. you know exactly. that's what I get, man. I, I get the kids' meal, as John Toolsy calls it in Jeremy. It's thi- thighs meal. and fries. Perfect. <laughs> Great combo. Yeah. <laughs> well, so welcome, Brooke. You are in town doing a paper on head training. Thank you. Kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a lot of Tell fun. Tell us about that. So the um, up there. In the Northwest. Up there? Um, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's we, from Walla Walla. Yeah. Who, who, who? Who are we talking to? And to? where are they from? What's going on? Sam, enjoy. <laughs> no, Rock and roll, I'm, baby. Uh, Brooke Delmas Robertson. There you go. Um, from the Rocks District. Milton Freewater. Yes, yes. Milton Freewater. Shout out. Is that the high school you went to? No. No. No, that's the other It's is, like two towns that couldn't agree <laughs> on a name, so they decided the to longest, hyphenate, hyphenate yeah. their name. It's the longest AVA name. It's the Rocks District of Milton Freewater. It's like, yeah. It's like this long. How does, how does that look on a label? It's, well, we would love to put long. it on ours, but it's, it's too long. To put. But so the reason behind the length of it is because for the TTB, in order to have things approved by them, you have to have a historical record of place. We had all of these historical records of the rocks, the rocks, the rocks, this region being called that, but other places are also called that, and so they needed to tie it to a location, it being Milton Freewater, and otherwise they wouldn't pass it. So 
That's why it's very, very long. Um, we always just shorthand it to the Rocks District, though. So that's kind of the in the ether but there, now. But your region is so different because I might be wrong. Correct me if any of this is incorrect. 97% of it is the same terroir, basically. It is all the same soil series. Soil so series. So the boundaries are predicated on one singular soil series, and it's this very cobbly loam. That's Which is totally uncommon. I mean, if you look at it's Napa and Sonoma, rare. we're yeah. like so many different. And, it's, and it is literally rocks. And so some people like, I guess people know Christophe from um, Cayuse, like went up there and he said, oh, it's like Chateauneuf. But unlike Chateauneuf, it, it goes, goes deep, right? Chateauneuf is yeah. like two feet or something average of the yeah, rocks going down. And then you're hitting clay. Exactly. It's like Whereas, a meter of cobbles and then hard pan. Yeah. Whereas in the rocks district where we are, those cobbles and gravels go down hundreds and hundreds of feet. So if you're right. a grapevine, your feet are just moving. Right. So that it's an advantage and um, very difficult to manage vigor at the same time. <laughs> so. okay, right. But but another thing that's important in this conversation is where where is the rocks district located and and what is its weather you know what is its weather's like i mean we all know that it's it's north of us so theoretically it's cooler but a little can can yeah, yeah. can you work that into it also yeah thank you bart really good prompt i like it um, so the rocks district of milton freewater is located 100% in the state of Oregon. So what? I know shenanigans. So, walla walla Oregon. And right. You would think that. So we're in a unique spot where the Walla Walla Valley AVA crosses Washington state into Oregon state. And so it has both sides. Um, the Columbia Valley does the exact same thing. And so like hood river, similar to us has their, you know, AVAs on Washington and the Oregon side. The difference is for the Rocks District, it is the first nested AVA of Walla Walla. It just happens to be 100% in Oregon. So there's all of these regulations at the present time. They will 100% be changing in my lifetime because I will make it happen. <laughs> um, but if you have a vineyard on Oregon, on the Oregon side like we do, and your winery happens to be on the Washington side because oh, yeah. it's literally 10 minutes from our winery to our vineyard, 10 minutes. But because there's a state line in the middle, <laughs> we can't appellate on our wine label that this wine is from the Rocks Whoa. District, even though that's where the fruit is coming from. So are you going to move? No. <laughs> How do you move your wine? You can't move your winery or your vineyard, right? That's the, that's the tough part, right? So And, and this is like... You, you have to battle with the feds on this. That's the deal. Yeah. So that ruling has to come from the TTB down. It's been that uh, decision has been sitting there basically since the Rocks District AVA was approved because so many people have this similar issue. But if you think about it another way, from a California standpoint, if that were to go down where you could appellate your wines coming from the location they truly come from but being made somewhere else you could have sonoma fruit being made in minnesota appellated on the sonoma, bottle as sonoma, sonoma right. right which doesn't Slippery. work so but in the northwest there is a multitude of these cross-border situations where whether it's oregon and washington Washington, Idaho, Oregon, Idaho. I mean, isn't I mean, isn't this what that, that whole Pinot copper, guy, copper cane, copper cane thing? He got in a big trouble. Right. Yeah. 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 And and that's Poor more guy. of the situation that you know, Poor guy. there is the potential 
for abuse. There is. And that's right? that's where the concern comes from. And also down south here, there's a lot more money in the coffers to battle it. And so that's why oh, it's right. kind of been at a standstill because organizations like Nat Valley Vintners and people like that have, and rightfully so from their point of view, said, no, we can't let this happen. However, for us, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if we could get that to happen? But I think that you have to put on it if it is a cross-state situation because there's there's that really only happens in like the three northwest you know right. states yeah. so where else in the yeah country? i mean there's yeah. nowhere else that that happens you so you can say walla walla you can say walla walla because it is technically walla walla as well right you can always go bigger right. like you don't have to appellate oakville you right. could you can appellate say napa. napa you can say california right. yeah yeah so you just can't put anywhere on it that it's the rocks not on Oregon. the label right on promo but material? I, yeah. yeah. On so, podcasts. On podcasts. You can say whatever you want. This. Yeah. So, but it is also very important to recognize that any wine that is made from fruit that comes from the Rocks District, that is an Oregon wine. I don't care what you say. So there is this back and forth between the two states trying to claim this. There's also, you know, different people have different opinions on are they rocks? Are they stones? Which is fine. <laughs> What's I, the difference? One can have. I'd those like to be in opinions. the Stones District. The Stones District, right? Wait, wait no, the Stones District. Yeah, <laughs> but it was rock, just right there, part. I mean, it's, me I, how could you miss that? I yeah. wonder exactly what the difference is between a rock and the stone. So a rock is a geological entity. A stone is something that you affect on. You know, like you're. It's a. It's a stone pathway. Because you've shaped those into anything stone. shaped would be a stone then. Exactly. Huh. Could have a rock wall. But you could also have a stone wall. You could also have a stone wall. See, this is where it kind of gets into that uh, ethery Either or, yeah. type of deal. But historically, so Dr. Kevin Pogue uh, and a little guy named Steve Robertson uh, were the two entities that kind of put this petition to to the TTB together for the creation of this ABA. You have to have historical reference to a name. And back in like the 1900, early 1900s, Kevin found a newspaper article that rocks, rocks, rocks. So rocks in its title historically has been what that is called. So that's why it happened and it's named the way that it is. Otherwise, you know, people could call it whatever, whatever they want. So. But but you've actually you're talking about the 1900s. But I think in that era you've you've found some sort of historical data that that there has been grapes growing there since like 1850, 1860. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like real that. similar to down here, like it was German and Italian immigrants that came in and and they were uh, growing uh, vinifera basically for their own use. And there's still uh, there's one section in the Rocks District that has just a handful, literally a handful of vines that I believe were planted in like 1915 and are still there. And there's a local grower that kind of sneaks onto that corner of the property and trains them up and prunes them and makes them <laughs> presentable again. Um, but there hasn't been, as opposed to down here, where there's these really beautiful, old, 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 100 plus oh, year yeah. old vines. Amazing. We don't have that in Walla Walla because of the deep freeze. So our climate is radically different yeah. than down here and that it hasn't been able to be maintained those historical vineyards which is a real shame but 
we get the same amount of growing degree days as Napa Sonoma. It's just much more condensed. So our bud break is a month after yours, a full month. But we can get, you know, below freezing in the first week of October. So you have to have your fruit off and vines shut down really quickly. And then, of course, over the winter, it gets to be negative four, like it did on New Year's this year. Oh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's an always a trip to see pictures of vines that are covered in snow because we're just, so, it just seems so out of place for us. But I think it was the first time I saw. Um, vines from Cayuse when I was buying it when I saw pictures of the vines I was mm-hmm. like what the fuck yeah it's like, insane that, it's like nuts. they survive in that yeah well so what what is the elevation um, and and a little bit more about just the general area I mean it's it's uh, is it considered high desert not technically um, so where we're the Rocks District, where SJR Vineyard is, which is my family's yeah, estate. Yeah, why don't you let's say what your the, the family estate quickly, and then yes. like what you grow, the name of the label. Give we'll make, start with Calistoga. Where you buy it? No, 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 no. We're going all the way back. We're sell the on, sell the wine, then then do the life history. Yeah. <laughs> I got so many questions. Okay, so our our family estate vineyard is called SJR Vineyard, and it is in the Rocks District, and we grow Rhone varietals, and so we have primarily. Uh, Syrah, Grenache, a teeny tiny bit of Movedra, but that's only because I forgot that we chip butted it over and pruned beneath the graft union on a handful of those vines. So they're coming back now. Um, happy accidents. We're keeping them in. They provide a lot of acid. So, uh, and then we also have Viognier and just planted some Cinso, which I'm really excited about. Oh, nice. About. Yeah. So like that. all Rhones uh, for us. And then our wine label is Delmas, D-E-L-M-A-S. And that is a family name. It's my middle name. It's my mom's middle name. It's my grandmother's middle name, et cetera, et cetera. The first girl out of any generation got that moniker. So uh, so we put it on the label as a heritage deal, and away we go. Because I, when I was looking at Delmas, there's a Moss Delmas, I think, in Roussillon. In, yes. So, like in Southern, so I yes. thought maybe it meant something related to well it goes all the way back to like robespierre so my mom's side of the family you know (laughs) you gotta just drop you know french history into it just robespierre bomb here we go i I don't know what it is so if you guys could let her tell the story i'd appreciate it (laughs) not quite so affluent as you obviously wasn't part of the petaluma high school (laughs) class 83 nice nice Robespierre was the guy that was guillotining everybody uh, in, in the French Revolution. Um, so my mom's family uh, comes all the way back from that time frame, and then so it just kind of morphed forward to us. It was a last name at one point, and is now. Yeah, I thought it meant like because day is like from. I thought it meant like from the rocks or something. I was like, well, that's cool that they well, <laughs> you guys just ended up there. Yeah, well, in Spanish, you know, del mas. Like it doesn't make sense phonetically if you're, if you're thinking of the about more. it. Yeah. Of the more rocks. Of the more, yeah. Del, del mas piedras. Del mas piedras. There you go. Ooh, sub-label Side label coming in. Passion project. Yeah. Super passion project. Fantastic. That would be sweet. 100% Moved. Love it. Love it. Chip, chip butted accidental. Accidental chip butted. Yeah, yeah. That was, oops. <laughs> that was my bad. But it's working, weirdly, as it seems to be kind of the story of our, uh, 
you know, how we, how we got going in the wine business is it's all just a series of happy accidents. We have no idea yeah, what like, we're doing. Like so. how did you guys decide? I think you originally you were kind of looking at Willamette and then kind of made your way over to the rocks, but how did you yeah. decide to plant Rhone varieties? That's a great, great question. Yeah. So we, my family is, I was born in St. Helena. Like we're, we're originally from this area and, uh, um, in the nineties, yeah, early nineties, my dad, uh, we had moved to the Portland area at that point in time. And my dad brought up his good buddy, Jim Barber, and they were looking at properties and go, ah, maybe we could make this work here. Cause Hey, <laughs> uh, we tried to make it work in Calistoga, um, when I was a little, little kid, but it just, we got boxed out. You know, my parents were in their early thirties. They had just had a kid, they had no money. So we had to leave, unfortunately, um, and then go figure it out. But that didn't pan out at that time. And it's just been a dream of ours to always get back into this, into the seasonal way of life and something that you can truly be passionate about and what you do, as you guys all know. Um, and then we stumbled upon Walla Walla. My, my dad was doing uh, housing developments and, and uh, went up there and thought, hey, this is really cool. Found this one property in what was to become the rocks and it was like we've seen this movie before we know the potential here we know what's going to happen we have to get in on it now so uh sgr was planted in 2007 so it's not very old in the grand scheme of things but for that area that was a big planting time um and just by happenstance that was the material that was available again like we had no idea what we were doing or what was going on we were just like yeah that sure let's do that that makes sense huh and it ended up working out really nicely yeah especially for syrah right oh I mean, yeah yeah oh god i want to try the viognier i should press them down damn it that's right well are you gonna bring some we're gonna to pour hospice? it at hospice we're gonna pour the the viognier as well so oh anyone that doesn't know so tickets for hospice to Rhone yeah they're on sale, are on sale. i think there's yeah. Like as of this morning, only like 50 tickets left yeah, for, the, um, for the two-day seminars. But they are doing one on the rocks. And you just told me this morning, I didn't know this, that um, Elaine, the, Sardar, the sardonic Elaine Chuck and Brown is, yep. is going to be doing the... Uh, Editor of U.S. of Francis Robinson. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Maybe among our most prestigious friends of the pod now. One of the coolest yeah. people on the planet. On also yeah. one of the coolest people on the planet. <laughs> and Marvel Universe expert. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and fellow, well, she's an actual professor of philosophy, but I, I studied that as well. So that's a fun connection. She's all I of like our philosophy, personal philosophy oh, professors. Of course, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, she's going to be moderating our session, so we're really excited about that. Well, and you know, shout out to you since you're an industry leader, also, oh, uh, as the hey. four of us are. You know, um, <laughs> we so, were talking yeah. about that we, yesterday. Maybe we should like get a you know make a poster of the cover, and then as we interview people who are also on that cover, we could just like you know put Take a little next yeah. to the nice. you know America's most wanted like you know there put you a little go. X Make to the face. Right. Right. We, we got Randall things. right. We got Randall already. Right. Yeah. Nice. Previously to being leaders. Yeah. Uh, there's some other people on there. I think we've had maybe. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. That's so cool. Those, <laughs> I never right. got a copy. I never saw. I, you, never <laughs> saw you never. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we yeah. Well, you were. I, don't I think you were trades. seventeen in the picture they used on the. Ah. <laughs> no, it was my wedding day. I was thirty-seven. They pulled your wedding day picture. For I think the... they got it off the girl in the fig oh. website from when I was a Making... manager there. That's or fantastic. Um, <laughs> all right, so let, let's talk about what makes your property different from any other vineyard. Okay, so. I will speak primarily towards the difference in the rocks district, yes. because even though this area is one singular soil series, you have to think about it like a river, like the rocks are there obviously from water flowing that general direction. So that it all kind of dammed up and it's all in this one alluvial fan. But within that there's pockets that have larger rocks, more rocks, and there's pockets like at SJR where we are, where you're kind of against a bench and it's like the shore of the river. There's more fine soils. We have more soil interspersed between our rocks as opposed to like where Cayuse's vineyards are located. It's like you think about that as the middle of the river. Right. Super intense, dark, brooding, very, very structural lines because there's way more rocks in his section than on our side of the district. So more of those fine soils, smoother tannin, um, more finesse uh, is, is how I would describe the wines that we produce from that section. But not all of, there's, I think actually right now we're the only one that sits against that bench. There's a couple other properties that will be going in there, but there's, um, we're at 850 foot elevation. And as you go closer into town, it raises up I think like 200 feet. Uh, so we're definitely in one of the lower sections of, of that area. Um, I think the highest planted, well, the the Columbia Valley AVA, which is what Walla Walla sits in, which is what the Rocks District sits in, tops out at 2,000 foot elevation. So there's a couple really? of, wow. yeah, there's a couple of vineyards in the Walla Walla Valley that are like at 3,000 foot elevation, but they have to be Columbia Valley appellated for that stupid reason. So is there a general sense of how this river ran? Yeah, it was, uh, so the Walla Walla River, uh, there's people much smarter than me that could talk yeah. to this, Kevin Poe being the main one. Um, but uh, the Walla Walla River, flooded at some point thousands and thousands of years ago um, and uh, sort of dammed up in that area. And if you think about what an alluvial fan is, you know, water flows, it stops, then it moves, then it moves, then it moves. So that's why there's all of these different deposits. If you think about it, like a duck foot is what it looks like. And then it kind of leaves the heavier stuff, then a little bit lighter, then Middle a little bit lighter. Middle of the river are the rapids, right? So right. all of that stuff is churning around and more things are dropping out yeah and and it totally changed for however many hundreds of years while it was doing that absolutely and now we're just left of it and i I just always think about like what did it look like you know oh yeah when it was happening yeah it'd be really cool and so so the river that's left that basically defines that's the columbia river that defines that's basically the border between yeah so that that like punch through where that hit from i i'm probably misquoting this but i want to say missoula flood time you know it's like all of that stuff thousands thousands of years ago happened really really tight time frame relatively and it just all of that water and that back through punched the columbia gorge through and then so that's where everything kind of dissipated in okay yeah interesting 
it's wild up there. It's, it's really nuts. cool. Yeah, yeah, really. Well, it's very different. I mean, you know, it's a, no, you know, we here even if you're in the flats of Napa Valley, Sonoma Valley, you're in basically what's a, a volcanic mm-hmm. defined yeah ge- geologic region. Well, right? all of our cobblestones are basalt. So they're relatively young geologically too. Like all of the stones and rocks in Chateauneuf are like from like the Pleistocene area, you know, like they're limestone right. and they're <laughs> granite and they're much, much older. But everything that we're dealing with is only like tens of thousands of years. You know, it's oh, not. Oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, only. only. Geologically babies. Yeah. <laughs> Ge- Geologic babies, John. Like, Tonga. I mean, there, and I, yeah. and I, I've yeah, talked exactly. about this before, but there is an area here in Sonoma, uh, and I call it the Carragher Creek kind of corridor right Right. starting up kind of where i live on the on the west side of town and and as you come down that creek there is an area to the south which is considered like the durell ranch Ah, yeah um, uh uh uh, los uh shemtos no no um at any rate and then it goes into like where sonoma cotrera sonoma cotrera that's what i was looking for right and then on the north side like where um uh, Yalupa is where uh, Lazy Dog is, the Idells, right. and all of that. As I've watched it all developed, because none of it was developed then, the amount of rocks that they pulled out of it. And when yes. you go down the creek, the rocks right. and the soils in that way, it's the closest thing that we have to anything like that. And those are probably basaltic cobbles. They probably are, yeah. and and they are. I mean, there's no doubt that that is a section of area. And so, hearing you talk about the differences in the wines dependent on the soils. It, it raises kind of thoughts here. I mean, oh, the, yeah. you know, there's no way to get any clear picture of it here because it's minor, but it's just something to think about. Well, I think you could get it. I mean, you think about the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that you're getting from the southern sort of what would have been the edge of that flow. Yeah. And, and then and more in the middle of that flow is it's like the Idels where they're growing, you know, those old vine zins oh. and, and rones that are way you know, more structured. And and the Chardonnay from Idels is, I mean, the way more why, than the Cotrera. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they can't, yeah. they can't get a cover crop to grow there where you right. go down to some Cotrera and, they, and it grows. They don't try to get a cover crop and they get one anyway. Right, yeah. right. No matter right. what they, they do. Try they, to, they try to kill it every year and it still grows. <laughs> that's, that's what I was actually thinking about that this morning is, do you have any sort of cover crop at all? Because you're dealing with mostly rock. And cold weather. And cold weather. And cold it's, weather. it's mostly the cold weather that is our uh, Achilles heel. So I have planted a cover crop every year, but we have to do it very differently. So we plant our cover crop uh, immediately on the heels of harvest. It gets about maybe an inch tall if we're lucky, and then it snows. And then it gets negative degrees and then it goes to sleep for, I mean, our winters are so intense or they can be, it obviously depends your year, but it gets so cold that everything stalls out. And then when the soils start waking back up in March, April, cover crop wakes up. And if you've planted it early, it just takes off at that point because then it has super uh, huge amounts of water from the snow that is slowly leaching into the soil. So it's not like a one hit of an irrigation or a rain. It's just the snow slowly soaks in. So it's got water for days. And then the cover crop takes off. It maybe gets knee high if we're lucky. But by June, because now it's getting really hot, like this year it was 110 degrees on June 1st. So then it dies <laughs> and you mow it cultivated in you know wait that because that's what i was wondering about is how are you mowing on 
I'm I'm like we put our blades up real high. I was gonna say I'm imagining <laughs> at home like we have rocks along yeah. one part in our backyard, and I kill the weed whacker little thing because I hit those rocks, and then you gotta pull out the next little thing. So how farming do you... in that area is uh, brutal on your equipment. Like you're you're replacing yeah. discs, you know, if not every year, every other year. I mean, it's just intense. You got like knobby tires or oh, something i mean like yeah it's there's rubber, rubber tracks yeah but they still get chewed up i mean every everything uh everything is harder down there but i think i think you know tasting this you will agree that there's it's it's worth it for the product that we can create out of that area because it is truly representative of that place and it tastes like nothing else yeah, so it's it's really hard. I think only insane people are going. I mean, we're definitely not. Well, that's the wine industry. Right only in insane head. people yeah. are in it in the first place. Right. right. All the best people. Yeah. <laughs> and when it rains there, like you guys could get ten inches of rain in two days. We're lucky. And what does the vineyard look like? Okay, so we're lucky if we get twelve inches of rain in a year. Wow. In a year. Yeah. So, so one you thing get all I was, your water from snow, basically. A lot of it is from the snow. Yeah. So I was talking to to Phil the other day, go and his his thing was, you know, twenty inches of rain, and and you could dry farm after that point. So, damn it! Like you know, it was just so disheartening. I was going, no. It, it didn't maybe. totally shoot down. He did it. It didn't totally shoot it down, but. The uh, the key there is soil fertility, exactly, which is also a challenge without being able to it's like have a normal cover. What, what we would consider a normal cover crop mm-hmm. cycle, right? Yeah, I would love to be able to keep a cover crop in year round, but because of our freeze situation, also immediately post harvest, what we do is we at SJR we've trained our vines into a mini head trained system. So they're very, very short goblet bush vines um, that we have maintained a trellis in because a lot of it is Syrah and you couldn't practically farm those 50-foot shoots if they started running on, on you. On the ground. Yeah. So we've maintained a trellis for that. Fun. Yeah. We let them <laughs> get uh, the structure of that classic goblet, but then we'll tuck the shoots about two feet above that so into the canopy. So all of the head-trained vines, whether they're Syrah or not, are have some wires? The Syrah, the Syrah, only, the Syrah. only. Okay. yeah. yeah. So the Grenache we let flop because you have to. And yeah. it's not super floppy. Any, It's, you know, those shoots, because yeah. the internodes are so tight, they can be upright. So we've let the Grenache be open. Um, our Viognier is on a, a double guillot system, so that's different. Yeah. But with the Syrah, we've maintained the trellis. But do you still bury the double guillot trunk? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we bury the head of the vine. So, so let's and let's talk about that for a yeah. second. Cause yeah. we would, you know, it is a, a function of the extreme weather, right? Stupid but winter. What is that, you know? So, you know, in comparison to, say, like, a wine bottle. Her, I did Her dad did. The elder Robertsons right. picked it. I'm the, just along We're just ride. sitting around paying for the sins of our fathers. Aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. I understand. Um, Bravo. Will you, will you, for, you know, sort of describe what the, the MHT vine looks like, how tall the trunk is, and whether, you know, in a, in a double guillot or a, a head train kind of like mm-hmm. how that happens, and then... Talk about burying it and maybe why you bury it. They don't look it. like yeah. that. They, don't, they, don't, they don't look like that. I wish they did. Right. I was need... just showing some, the, yeah, the Bart just showed us some pictures of these monster vines that I was just at with Bob Bialy the other day, which are beautiful. 
Oh, if I could have that height. Um, <laughs> so our vines are at maximum like 18, 20 inches. Uh, what? And th- th- like that's knee- spur position. That's spur position included. Oh my God, who's picking these grapes? Well, so yes, we <laughs> we do. We we pay by the hour. <laughs> we take your time oh as long as we God. need. But here's the other side of that. So when we went to this methodology, this was in the winter of 2016, 2017. We got down to negative 12 degrees for four hours that winter and had 70 percent bud death. Oops. Across the ranch. Oops. So, what time of wow. year was that? That that happened in early January. That about this time of year. So vines weren't. Vines were dormant. But this was just like the spur positions. Yeah. So everything. So this exploding. was before we went to this MHT methodology where we were burying canes. So it's you basically you grow a sucker out from the base of the vine all year. Then post harvest you take that cane. And you bury it under the ground, and that's your insurance policy. That's right. your protection. So, wow. if if you get seventy percent bud death, you cut the vine off at the bottom of the trunk. You bring up your burial canes. You now have a two trunk system, and you will have fruit, right? That, that year. That year, it's not great. And, and then the vine is focusing on building up its entire skeletal structure all over again. So it's completely unbalanced fruit. How did but you, you guys figure it. out who told you to do that? No one told us, but Mr. Christoph Barone and his brilliance, right, who had been growing in the Rocks District uh, for quite some time, that was the science at the time. Like that was, and still is today, a lot of people still utilize burial canes because it's what they know, and it's uh, it works. However, from 2007 to 2017 at SJR Vineyard, we had to cut the vineyard down to the ground and bring it back up three times. So in ten years. So every three years, it gets that temperature, huh? It gets huh? whacked. Wow. And and then and then That's what do tough. you do? Yeah, you don't have these beautiful permanent structures like you guys have down here. So that winter, we had to cut everything down anyways. And thinking through this with my father, we were going, "Oh my God, this is completely unsustainable. What the hell do we do? How do we make this work?" And uh, so I was tasked with figuring it out, which is not fun when your dad goes here figure it out here. Yeah. i played into this vineyard in a place that's really complicated yeah. go figure out how to make it work good luck yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. you did. made all this granache yeah. go figure out how to sell it exactly <laughs> <laughs> right but so we i was reading all of these these you know papers about different different training forms and and uh university of wisconsin had this thing about rose bushes which look exactly like what the mht looks like yeah, and totally. you bury the entirety of the damn thing so we went with that. And then we we set them up with that structure. The problem was is nobody knew how to head prune a vine. So I had to do it. Wait, why? Because it's still it. so, so foreign. Cane pruning is still relatively unknown up on the eastern side of the state. So it, VSP rules out there. So from your crew standpoint, it's a teaching opportunity giving uh, another tool to the toolbox um, for the the pruning crews. But for the, the first couple of years, it was, you know, I'm there literally on my knees in the rocks, just two bud, two bud, two bud, two bud. So uh, it was intense. But now the structure is actually formatted. 
super easy to prune. It goes really, really quickly. Um, we've got some great guys that, that we work with that, that now they have that level of knowledge as well, which is fantastic. Just spreading the love of head, you know, head training. And so, works. so how, so how much of this or what are the results of climate change with what you are doing? Like, has it always been this way to an extent and now it's just gotten to the point where you have to do it? Um, how how, how yeah. is it affecting you guys? That's a really good question. I think that the the extremes, just like you guys are, ha, are experiencing extremes down here with drought, with the crazy heat wave that we've had. I mean, we had those same heat waves. When, when it hit you, it hit us. We just, we've been a little bit luckier on the waterfront in a weird way. Um, so it, from what I've learned from talking to the good old boy farmers that have been there for decades, it was not that cold. I mean, there were, uh, I think in like 1950, there was a really big cold snap, but it happened very rarely. And now it's happening more often at the same time that we're getting these heat spikes. And so in our, you know, 15 years of, of growing there, it's happened a lot. And it just very selfishly, if the temperature gauge of like Northern California moves North, like they say that they're going to, maybe someday we won't have to bury the vines in their entirety. Really? Yeah. I now, mean, when that's you're burying them. Is it in soil or is it in mulch or what? It's in, so we use a series of discs. Our, our row spacing is nine foot. So we have the space to do this because pushing 18, 20 inches of dirt is like a lot. Right. So we have a series of discs that come through and little mini plow attachments and we push dirt from the middle of our rows up on either okay. side um and then uh, of course do a little bit of shovel work to make sure that the spur positions are protected because we can we don't always have to do that so long as the head of the vine is protected you know if if it freezes you know suckers will push out of there and we'll still have positions but ideally you protect those outside areas but you have to unbury them too right then we have to unbury them yeah yeah, so you have to, timing is very much a factor, because if you Farming's leave it. Farming's hard, man. Farming, Farming's hard. yeah. But if you leave it too long, then the soils heat up, you could get bud break underneath the burial, right. then you're really screwed. Growing so. white asparagus. Yeah, growing asparagus, yeah. 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 Have a white Syrah someday, <laughs> you know? Did, have you, like, made your own knee pads and, um, like, <laughs> you know, gloves you know. that, like, have, you know, like, foam on them or something? Okay, to... so I was looking at, there was a, a post, Simonet and Cirque posted a picture of these pruners. I think it, like, Latour or something. And they're in these little motorized oh. low scooters Ooh. where the pruners are sitting in, like, a recumbent position yeah. rolling down the rows and pruning at the same I want one. I want one so badly. <laughs> a modified recumbent bike. Love it. Yes. You know, e-bike. Yeah, modified totally. recumbent e mountain e-bike. Patent with pending. Three wheels. Yeah. <laughs> like a yeah. like two in front and one in the back, maybe. Big oh, tires, God. twenty inch doves on there. It'd be awesome. <laughs> A bunch of attitude. Yeah. Some rims. <laughs> spinning. Spinners. Spinning yeah, rims. put the spinners, spinners on it. <laughs> Perfect. That's high class pruning right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're in Latour, if you're getting Why bored, not? If you're getting Bordeaux prices, <laughs> yeah. you gotta spend money somehow. Yeah, we're we're not, <laughs> not quite, quite not there quite yet. Yet. <laughs> Yeah, same. Yeah. No, it's intense. But so how do you how, is the unburying 
we a similar like sort of you just reverse the we direction reverse of the, the direction of the, of the, of the disc. disc that t- cuts out quite a bit of it and then we use the clemens weed knife that comes through in, in between um and and then again shovel work but i can tell you for a fact all of this opera it sounds like a lot right it's cheaper than doing the burial cane and it's less labor intensive because you've got a guy on a tractor instead of an entire crew on their knees after harvest running through and burying things like suckers yeah so it's way more efficient to do it's also quicker to do it this way um, in the it's MH way better system. than losing seventy percent of your budget. Yeah, way better. Yeah. Three way times better. every decade. Yeah. yeah, not good. Yeah, so it's working so far. I mean, if if you know, I I mean, Thank yeah, God, yeah. Acres. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like, would have bought fifty acres. No, I would have killed them already. Yeah. yeah. So, so there'd be some more soil in those rocks. A little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more decomposition going on. Yeah. So uh, we were supposed to do this at the beginning of the show. Um, if you want to follow along, it's delmaswines.com. D-E-L-M-A-S wines.com. And we do have our, we release our wine one time a year. And that is the first part of February. And it only goes out to people that have signed up on our list on our website. So for all of you cool kids listening... Go to our website and sign up, and you'll have an opportunity to get some co-fermented Syrah, a field blend of Grenache, and 100% Viognier made in a Condru style. So nice. sign up now. Um, can Less. you Can you <laughs> do like a, a quick like debunking or maybe agreement of the whole thing with Chateauneuf? People talk about rocks and how what's great about the stones or the rocks in Chateauneuf is that it that it heats up during the day and then keeps the vines warm at night. Yeah, that's definitely something that everybody uh, talks about, and and it's it's definitely part of the myth. I can tell you from listening to, um, again, Dr. Kevin Pogue. I'm using his name a lot today. He's going to have to give me a commission. Um, Thank you, Brian. In... The Rocks District in our area, and only because Kevin has put out sensors like across the valley to determine this. The biggest thing is they do, in fact, cool down at night. They don't stay hot during the daytime, but during the daytime, because our season is so condensed and we're really trying to push that fruit to get to its optimum level of ripeness in a much tighter time frame there's more heat units that go into the canopy during the day, which really ramps things through. And when your vines are 18 inches off the ground, it's super helpful. Yeah. You're getting more ripening and growth early in the mornings and late in the the day. Yes, absolutely. Brian, are those rocks in the field or are those the rock walls that they're using around small sectors? Because I heard it was the rock walls, but. In, in, In Chateauneuf? Yeah. Well, I don't think of Chateauneuf as be- much as being rock walls, more of the rocks on the soil. Okay. I think in Burgundy, you see more of the rock walls, which uh, I've yeah. heard accredited to helping holding kind of in, holding yeah, yeah. in um, some of that. Oh, keeping the Americans out. Keeping the- yeah, keep- <laughs> nice. bourgeois Americans. Around their three rows of each section. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Around the two yeah. walnut trees. <laughs> um, this, this, this smells like... The rocks, Syrah. 
I mean, that's, I mean, I haven't even tasted it yet, but Uh, but just like aromatically, you know, the, the few times I've had an opportunity to taste some of the cayuse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there's that same, like, sort of, it's, it's a, a, like cocoa coffee dry rub sort of, uh, thing that's Mm -hmm. going on with these Mm -hmm. that just like, I haven't even tasted it yet. And, you know, to get into the, you know, the details of like the tannin structure you were talking about, but just there's like that white, white pepper, duck fat mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah and, and it's so dark and concentrated um it, it's mm. it's almost hard to pull out anything out of it because it's yeah yeah so that's deep. beautiful yeah thank you nice thank you very much and it does take you know it's it's this is a young this is a 2018 that we're drinking today it's still very very young i mean these these guys do need a a, a bit of time to so where did you that. have to go buy that <laughs> yeah this is the, the first time I'll... that's the that's the 100 point Oh, where do you where do you have that, yeah. Brian? Awesome. Uh, last time. Todd, oh, last time, Todd last brought time. it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, this is the first time we've ever had that I know of that a guest actually had to buy a <laughs> bottle of their own wine to come on the show, and only because this was like <laughs> this is the know, last. We were walking through the vineyard yeah. on Tuesday, and actually, it may have been Phil who said, "Oh, you should have Brooke on the podcast." Yeah, I think. And, he did. I, and I went, "Oh." I don't think we have a guest this week. And so where can you buy this? So, here so where in is Sonoma? Sonoma? <laughs> where do you buy your wine? Right? It's so funny. I was thinking about it. I was like, I'm going to need to. Ah, oh, damn it. I didn't bring any wine down. And that that's my bad. It was, it was my own damn fault. Um, so we you don't always travel with a case of wine. I don't always. I know. That's a, it's a rookie move. Rookie totally, move. Totally. Um, 15 years in a wall. God. <laughs> um, you know. Well, you it's a, it's a state line thing, right? right? It, yeah. <laughs> you can't cross over and <laughs> so, so wait a so, parallel, so, you know. So where can you buy it taxes. here in Sonoma County? So you can buy it. Um, actually, there are a couple of shops in in Sonoma, and I am a hundred percent blanking on who they are right now, and I'm so sorry. Um, this one I picked up at Gary's uh, over in in Napa because I was over there earlier. Um, but Urban Wines is our distributor Did you tell here. Them who you were? Or did you just walk in and buy the oh, wine? Oh, okay. I don't know if you guys do this, but it is so much fun to walk into a shop and not tell them who you are and right. be like, well, how, how are the sales on this going? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what can you tell me tell about, me about the Delmas. Yeah. Just did did see, I say that right? <laughs> did <laughs> right. I pronounce that okay? Just to see kind of what their training has yeah. been on, on these how things. How was it? It was all right. Okay. I was, I was literally Valued in retail yeah. partner. They did a great job. Fantastic. And- oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what has surprised you most when you've done that? Have you, have you ever had anybody just flunk out? Uh, yeah, I, I have. Um, no. <laughs> Don't have to mention no, earlier these today. Guys, <laughs> these guys did just fine. And I was in and out of that shot. I mean, the advantage of having your label be bright yellow is you can spot it on a shelf anywhere. Um, so, so uh, but yeah, there was, there was one, uh, we're family here, we're, you know. Uh, there was one shop in in. Portland where I went in there and I saw it on the back shelf and this was a shop that um, my mom who is our sales guru had had dropped it off there for them to taste and kind of go through with the hopeful intent of it being sold in their shop and I, so I pointed at it I went oh you know what can you tell me about that is that is that new are you going to be stocking it yeah. um, and yeah, he was like, you know, I just really hate wines from that area, and they're so off. They're just so different, and this is not the straw that I like. You know, I was like, oh, wow. goodness, okay. 
and then and then I, I I bought some other wines there and uh, and gave him my credit card and he went Robertson. Oops. And he just looked at me and I was like, "Hello, <laughs> that's my wine, jackass." <laughs> um, Ouch. Yeah, but well, he did to it, PO yeah. by the time I get home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, this flavor profile isn't for everybody, but it is so luxurious in my brain of this is a very contemplative wine and it's something that you want to have over a meal this will a hundred percent change in this glass in the next like two minutes in the next two hours i mean that's fun yeah and, and this so, was decanted you know at the beginning of the show right yeah yeah, yeah. so it'll that's the first time we've done that actually i don't remember having a yes. decanter out here so, before they got here so brooke you you scored on that one. Busting through barriers. All right. Beautiful. You and I've heard you say a couple times Co-Ferment. So what? Mm. This is, so the 2018 is um, Syrah Co-Fermented with Viognier. Mm-hmm. There's about 8% Viognier in here, okay. 8.5%. And um, that's just, that's whole cluster. Whole, yeah. Yep. Like just taking... tossing in the top. Yep. So we do kind of a layer cake deal where we've got whole cluster on the bottom, then the Viognier, and then de-stemmed Syrah on the top, and it kind of does this... Um, almost carbonic thing in the bottom and uh, you're and that's like then pump overs not oh yeah. punch downs yeah we do punch downs on it uh just to int- it's all going together anyways okay. and so uh we'll do that but yeah interesting yeah because you know and that's a difference you know in, in sonoma we do a Syrah that we we save the skins from the Viognier. Oh yeah. We we take them and you know put a literally like hand to stem and put it into buckets and freeze it because oh, because cool. we're we're not you know when the Syrah when the Viognier is ready the Syrah is it, it's not far from yet. ready yeah, exactly and if exactly. we waited it would you know a we'd lose it all to the birds and b you know, be picking Viognier at thirty-five to add to the Syrah. Yeah. So Viognier raisins. Viognier raisins. Yeah, we don't, you know, we don't need. But similar to like Cote Roti, where they need the sugar the Viognier is bringing to sort of mm-hmm. help bring the Syrah along a little bit. Is that kind of the same thing? I know we, what it's you said really when you point, were yeah. when you were at, when we were at Rossi, you were talking about like what you can get Grenache to bricks wise, and yes. it's way different. You know, your ripe is way different than our ripe. Yeah. Um, it, so is that what's kind of behind the Syrah? Or is I that just wish kinda... we could get to your level of ripeness on the Grenache. I pray someday. Well, I saw a will. conversation with a distributor in New York where maybe we, our levels of ripeness are still difficult to sell. Ah, so there you, you know. go. Yeah. But really? yeah, they, oh, these are big wines. It might be hard. I'm like, well, we sold them before. They work. They work. People yeah. drink them. That just, you know, the, especially New York Somebody's is still, they're too big. No, New York is still like, the the no uh, it's not even that it's it's the you know the the cool is it kids, the natural wine the, the natural wine yeah. phenomenon yeah. still sort of yeah. drives this like idea that yeah that they're never organic gonna sell it for you. Yeah. unmanipulated wines are also light and low alcohol huh. right. and that's that's you know and that's that's like <laughs> from travel you know that's the, <laughs> it, it, the part of it that drives me crazy is when you're chasing a style like that you inherently are sacrificing terroir and and the argument is always that you know if you your wine is too ripe you don't have terroir well no if it's, terroir, uh, it's too underripe you don't have terroir either right if it's Absolutely. if it is picked at a ripeness level that is not appropriate for the vineyard and the vintage then you don't have terroir right yeah. right period right. you got to pick to flavor and not sugar it, whatever that ends up being at like this wine this is 14.5 and fine like yeah. that little the alcohol in there you don't taste number one but secondarily 
it is Im- it has improved this. I mean, we've played around with this picking it way earlier and and way too late and everything in between. But it's like you need that little bit of coding that right. rounds things out sometimes. This at twelve five would this be awful. <laughs> I mean, alcohol is richness. Yes. You know. Yeah. And sweetness and flavor. Yeah. All the goodness. And- and enjoyment. That's why yes. it goes together. God Absolutely. forbid you actually like drinking wine. Right. <laughs> and this wine is delicious. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, but yeah, our, our VNA is definitely higher. I would go by this a, uh, Gary's for sure. Aww. And we do, oh, Sonoma's Best. Sonoma's Best. Oh, Sonoma's Best. Right. <laughs> Shout out to Tanjong. Yes. Yes. So they have, they have some Good over here Todd. as well. Yeah. You should go down and say hi to <laughs> Thank him. Thank you, Todd. Todd. <laughs> Todd has done a great job down there. It really has. It's really improved and keeps improving. Mm-hmm. And he's got an awful lot of help. Does he? <laughs> no, I think he works. Well, I mean, do you, you know, you guys are, are – he's been on the show a whole bunch of times. Uh, help from us? Yeah. No, he's, doing pretty, oh, yeah he's, no, doing, he's, he's doing, doing pretty good. <laughs> Todd, Todd doesn't need any help from us. <laughs> Todd needs us just to come in and buy – Wines out of yeah. Pick yeah. up the wine that I've bought from him, I think. Is a, oh, I could take care of those for you if you okay. want, Sam. Would you please? <laughs> Just store it for me, too. <laughs> no. In your memory bank. <laughs> so will you tell me, so if I, I have signed up on your website. Yes. So how much. And thank you for doing that, right? Oh, no, thank you. So how much. <laughs> Syrah is available. How much Viognier is available? How much? There's all the Viognier. Yeah. 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 Only Viognier and stay on the list. I'm laying the foundation. Hold on. Fantastic. And will you plant some pit bull? I'd like a Claret Blanc, please. Um, I could point you in the direction of some soon-to-be Claret Blanc. Uh, Not soon enough. In the Rocks District. And I'm curious about um, what you do with the Viognier, like. Like, is it all stainless steel? Are you putting it in some neutral? No. Like, what are you doing? Oh, oh style. right, so oh baby. So what are we yeah, doing? so we make we make uh, all of our all of our wines. All of the fruit comes from SJR Vineyard, so we don't buy from any other property. That's why our our production is so micro level. So there's only about a hundred cases of the Viognier um, that we're able to make because it's an acre. I mean, it's not right. you know, um, and we're limited by that. So. How we make that is um, in punchin, and it is uh, all in new Francois Frere punchin, and uh, it's surly for most of its life, and we stir it a lot, and um, it's about 14 months uh, before bottling. So it is it is a big guy. We've compared it with like um, Albin's Viognier's, which are amazing. We've done side-by-sides with that, and it's similar um, to those in the largeness and the presence of it is very coating on, on you know, your palate. Um, still maintaining nice acidity. But still has acid and is as longevity, uh, you know, we hope for, for quite some time. The first vintage of the Viognier that we took back for ourselves was 2018. So we've only been making it for us for a short amount of time. Um, it, we used to sell that fruit to a winery called Roti uh, in Walla Walla, and they put that in their Southern White Blend, which was phenomenal. Uh, Sean does an awesome job with, with his wines. Um, and we were lucky to have his knowledge of that early because Stevo wanted to rip out that block 
in the early days because we didn't understand Viognier. We didn't understand white wines at all. And we were thinking originally that we would just be a red house and not play in the white game at all. And Sean went over my dead body. Will you rip out that block? And I thank him every day for that comment because we kept it in and it's now it's, it's beautiful, beautiful wine, but there's not a lot of it. And you have to kind of treat it in that way, not only because the grape calls for it, but for price points. Like you, you can't just pick something throw it in some stainless steel, no. put it in there for eight months and bottle in a screw cap and, and, and make right. your money. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, farming there, we spend our money in the vineyard. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's where for sure. everything goes. So it's, uh, <laughs> and then Sanso is going to be like a, how long right now? So we planted that. I'm really excited about that block. We planted it on a nine by nine grid. That's the other reason Brian signed up for the email list is he's waiting for the Cinso. (laughs) There's a really, really tiny amount of it because we didn't have a lot of space that was left that we could plant. So, but we put it on a nine by nine grid. As you guys know, Cinso is very large buried, very big clusters. So, I mean, it should be a bit of production, but I don't know that we'll ever do that as a singular wine. Um, right now we're tossing it in with the field blend just because we don't have enough simply because we don't have enough. If at some point I win the lottery and I'm able to buy more land, then we will definitely plant more. More knee pads, more of those, uh, more of those recumbent budding bikes. Yeah. (laughs) More staff. More staff. (laughs) But right now this and so is going into our field blend, which is primarily Grenache with a little bit of the Syrah and then this and so tossed into it. So cool. And then you do a straight Grenache or no? Uh, no. So our field blend, so we waited 14 years before we took the Grenache back for ourselves, uh, partially because, um, Mr. Combi came to SJR Vineyard on a trip up North and, um, yep. And told us you have to wait 20 years before you can get into that. (laughs) 20 years. (laughs) don't touch it before 20 and we just went oh, okay but he got to see this little mht and was you know was like oh that's really cool that you're doing that here and i feel very lucky that i got to meet him and spend time with him on our property um during that time and, but 14 years we pulled it because my dad is almost 70 and and was like i'm not gonna live for <laughs> to see this come to fruition so we pulled it at 14 years and we're making a non-vintage field blend Mm -hmm. so we're playing around with it most of it is grenache but as i was telling sam earlier our area doesn't necessarily grenache doesn't want to be there it's not hot enough for long enough for grenache to get to its full ripeness not yet so you know yeah not not yet (laughs) climate change um but you know, this year we were able to pick it at 24, and and it's beautiful, and it's unctuous and savory, and Damn it. yeah. But we tossed in, you know, some of our straw into that, and it's really smooth. I mean, it's a beautiful wine. So that will that's a combination of uh, 2020 and 2021, and that will be released in this upcoming release that is coming out in February. Yeah. Okay. And what are we talking about price points? Um, so Brian's clearing room on the, we are in, on the MX. Yeah. Uh, we're in the uh, like 70 to 80 dollar, 85 for the for the straw, I believe, yeah. it, this year. And then uh, we also do a magnum only wine that's called the Peddler, and it is off of an Ira Jaeger painting 
that has been in my parents' house for a long time. It's as tall as me. It's a monster of a painting. Um, and that is the label for it. It's only magnums, and it's 100% Syrah, and that's 250 And there's only 100 bottles of that that are made. Brian? <laughs> I, I think we all need to chip in as a group and purchase one of these magnums to drink on a future podcast. Go for it. Do right. it. I'm there. Do it, team. There we go. All good. You won't regret it, I promise. <laughs> Twist my arm. <laughs> Spend money on wine? Sure. Phil, Why Phil's not? card. Why Phil's not? card. Ah, nice. <laughs> See, that's the pro move right there. <laughs> How did Camby come up there? He was up there. He was doing some work with... Um, uh, Chateau Saint Michel, mm-hmm. uh, some consulting for them on a couple of their projects, and so this was right around. Actually, this was right around the last time that hospice uh, happened, and he was here for a while with Miss right. um, Gassier, and and they came up for that. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, of the podcast. And, and so wait, so <laughs> and and did I understand that right? Are you guys working with Todd? Uh, so Todd buys uh, SJR fruit, yeah, and okay. that goes into his label called Force Majeure. Okay, okay. And the 2016, shout out to Todd, the 2016 yeah, SJR yeah. Force Majeure was a 100-point wine from Jeb Dunnick. So yeah. well done, Todd. I It's funny. I, I want to meet Todd one of these days because I think I knew Todd – like when I first got into the business, I think I met him at some tasting. He was some... working for Bryant over in, uh, in I Africa think this was while. before that. Before though. that. Yeah. And, and, and I want to just think that like, God, look at what he's done. Look what I've done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, you should have gone to Walla Walla. Yeah, <laughs> Bart, you Bart, just got move, two move golds north, and man. two silvers. Yeah. Well done. I Congrats mean, on that, on. though. That's a big deal. Mr. Mobley's, I heard, is, is yeah. doing a whole write-up on you. Well, Todd will be at. He'll hospice. be at Hospice, yeah. And yeah. We'll, he's you know, going to be on the Rocks District panel too, so he'll be able to talk to his wines. Um, you know, we might have to like, actually like focus at Hospice and do some <laughs> and do some podcast recording, but like, you know, maybe instead of our our usual hour and a half rambles, like Best get a, get a list eight. of get a list of people and <laughs> do twenty thirty minute and then piece them all to have Ed do some editing. We're program directing live on air. But, I love it. Perfect. Um, but like, you know, because because we can get Todd for, you know, nobody has two, two hours to hang with us. How about just some man on the street stuff? Just walking like, take around. That, take that recorder and just. Walk around yeah. the, the pouring event. Ed, I'm yeah. sure you're still listening. What do you think? Right. <laughs> we got a spot with a pool and yeah. a hot tub. and What, what are we going to call that place? What is it? How was it um, sold? The pod pad. The pod pad. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm done. <laughs> done for the day. All right. Ryan speaks. <laughs> we can call it the pod pad. <laughs> and and uh, by the way, I will be. I, I need you guys to tell me who's coming to dinner. I got to make reservations for the hatch on Friday night. And then if anyone wants to come down early, I'd like to go to Tablas on Thursday and just do a little tasting if there's anything left available. I'm sure there's a ton of people coming to town. Yeah. Well, I think we know somebody there, don't we? Well, but, but I mean, there's a <laughs> finite amount of people that work there, so it doesn't matter how many people you know. You can't just pop in yeah. pop in and sit on, sit on the front let's, porch. I guess you can. Let's get a hold of 
Jason Haas, friend of the podcast. Nice. Well, yeah. Ooh. No, Nathan is no longer. Yeah. Well, that's right. No they longer, switched out their He's shepherd. still alive. He's just no, not yeah. there anymore. No, no, Nathan moved on to a better life. He's, 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 he's greener pastures. Him. Sheep got him. Well, no, Nathan has a like outdoor adventure company. He oh. spends all of his time in Mexico taking people fishing and surfing. So oh, not necessarily greener cool. pastures, but at least warmer, seems to be having warmer pastures. Yeah. And and I and there's a new uh, there's a new shepherd. Yeah. And, and actually, I, th- yeah. I think the shepherd's name might be Dane. Oh, well, we got an end. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him a hat. And a bottle of Chenin Blanc, gold medal winner right. from yeah, the San gold Francisco medal. Chronicle Wine okay. Competition. <laughs> let's talk more about wall Well, let's talk more about head-trained head trained vines. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys are the experts on the head-training well, deal. Well, where did – how did you discover the MHT – Sister, or did you like come up with that on your own? I you, made it. You made up yeah, MHT. I did. Wait, what? You so, started with a good acronym and then worked from there. I wish it happened that way. <laughs> well, we're SJR Vineyard, so MHT like acronyms are like our bread and butter. So, so we came up with with the the idea. I presented it to Steve. Um, we tried to poke holes in this idea for about three months, but then we were like on the cusp of like, Hey, we got to start pruning. And I'm lucky enough that my father similarly is also insane. So he just let me <laughs> we have that in common too. Yes, is what you're saying. So he just, instead of the smart thing to do, which would be, let's do like a row, let's do a trials. Yeah. No whole vineyard. Let's go. Wow. So I'm very fortunate that um, it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, a hundred percent. Because it could have not, and then and then we would not be sitting here today. So it 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 worked out, and then you know we were just having a conversation one day, and we're like, well, what are we calling it? Well, it's, it's a mini structure, and it's head trained, but it's mini, and it was MHT done, done. Like it was literally one conversation, and then weirdly it stuck, and now people are calling like people are really coolly talking about this Stop. system called the MHT, and I'm like, oh, sweet, that's awesome. So, so, I know you've talked about like, how did you go through the process of like, yeah, co- the concept yeah. and how you like so I did, figured it out from from the burial cane mm-hmm. to. I started with my bud dissections that year, and I was looking through all of them, and then we came up with oh shit, seventy percent of these things are dead, and also if that's the case, you know you've got phloem death, right? So, the vine structure needs to come down anyway because you're just not gonna. And we're a small enough production that we can't afford to not produce a wine in a single year. Like we cannot, if that ever happens to us, we're out of it. So because our production is so small and it's so dear, that can't happen. So I was sitting in my office one day, just like, "Mm, okay, no pressure. We got to fix this. And, and, uh, I was looking up a bunch of different articles on, you know, we had the varial canes. So at the base, we have a four cane structure. So that was already in place. And if you take out the trunk, it kind of just starts to look like head training. And and then I read more and more and more. And I came across this article on uh, from the University of, of Wisconsin talking about uh, burying roses that way. And we lived in Minnesota for a period of time, so my mom used to do that. So it was very familiar to me. And 
I saw the picture and I saw the structure and I went, can we do that? Is that possible to do? If you bury the buds on a spur on a grapevine, is that problematic? What does that do? Does it rot out? How does that work? So we thought about it for a while and then we just did it. And thank God it worked. So, but it's all about timing. Right. You could you could bury too late after a freeze, and then you're screwed anyway. You could unbury too late, and then your buds have rotted out, and you're screwed again. Like so. So will you will you key. go through that sort of timing? You know, if you're facing frost and freeze in October, yeah, and sort of take us through maybe the the cycle of like when you prune, when you bury, okay. when you when bud right. when you unbury, when your like bud break is yeah. You know, since it's a, such a compressed growing season, Eurasian so harvest, and, and then back yeah. to burial. Right? Yeah, and then and then on that also, was there ever any thought of using something other than soil to bury, whether it be like rice holes or hay, straw, wood chips? We thought about straw. We thought about compost. Um, that's also an additional expense right. that has to go into it. And when you have nine foot rows, and we're fortunate enough in our bench zone of the rocks district that we have a lot of soil that we can push so we just went ah, we got to see if that you works. already paid and for the soil it's, yeah it's already paid for we might as well use or it are paying for it depending on this we are currently paying for it yes <laughs> yes um so okay this time of year it's january right? right things are buried things will stay buried uh for the next two months so um we will go through and pre-prune it uh, because our structure, even though they're 18 inches off the ground, you know, we get a full canopy of shoe growth. So that's a lot of canes to yank out and having done it, not super fun. So we will pre-prune it to, we've raised the drip line up to 24 inches. So the vines are a foot to 18 inches tall. The vines are underneath the drip line. Right. So when we have emitters on other side, it's really, it's bonkers. It looks crazy like it looks stupid but also really cool so we've got emitters it's like the the vines are in palm springs and they're under one of those misters yes right (laughs) it's really funky so but we have singular emitters on either side of the vine so it's not it's not getting too much water the water is also not dripping on the fruit which is super important right so uh, but it's just to get the drip line out of the way of the fruit zone because right. it used to be at 16, 18 inches, and then it's just like every implement is hitting it and, you know, trying to pick that. You're having to move it or cut it. So we move the drip line up. Everything is buried basically to that point. To the drip line or just below? Yeah, just below the drip line. So we'll pre-prune it directly above that so that then you only have a very small amount of wood that you're having to pull out when you do come through and prune. Um, we will unbury it typically in the last part of March just to alleviate any sort of early spring frost issues because we've also had that happen. So we'll leave it to that time frame. We'll unbury it. We'll dig out around the vines to kind of, you know, make that trunk visible. And then we'll come through and we'll prune everything. Um Bud break usually happens right at the tail end of that. So like first to second week of April, it can it can happen as early as that. For the most part, like the Grenache won't hit until late in April. Um, and then 
uh, things grow up. In the Syrah, we will tuck those shoots usually about, you know, late May, first part of June, get them up into the trellis system. Then we go through in the Grenache and we take off the first four basil leaves to open that up, uh, which has been extremely helpful because also in our area, since it is so low to the ground, excess humidity, et cetera, we can get sour rot in that Grenache. So it's, it's again, timing. Everything gets opened up early in the Grenache, everything. So, uh, then, so then we're into June. Um, we have to do relatively little canopy management in the Syrah because the inner nodes are so long that if you pull off a lateral in there, then the whole thing is just completely exposed. So we do very little uh, leaf work in the Syrah, um, but everything is so open anyways. It's got great light, great airflow, everything seemingly as it's it stands. It's just open. So Because the, the fruit zone is two feet off the ground. Yeah. Or less. Yeah. And, and they're nine foot rows, and how close are the vines to each other? Four foot. Four foot. Yeah. Four and, foot and, 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 and I'm looking at these pictures on your Instagram um, which everybody should look at closely. And then you're saying that you're talking about there's like six feet of cane growth from that foot and a half yeah, or two foot? all the way. Foot? So we've got a, in the in the Syrah, we've got a three-wire trellis system. Yeah. So it's easily over six foot. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, you I mean, know. It's Syrah, right? Yeah. Right. Syrah, it's going to do it. Right. It grows when it's cold. It grows when it's hot. Right. Well, and it's that thing. It, it, if you give it somewhere to grow, then you can It'll control it. Right? Well, yes. And what we do when is, you don't well, have what, what I mean is when you don't have anywhere for it to grow is when it gets burly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what we do as well, because we like to be extra, is we put clips on the wires in between the Syrah to keep the individual vine shoots separate from the other ones. Because when we don't do that, it, you know, wanders along. And then you've got canes 50 feet right. down your canopy that you can't hedge. So, so um, to keep the individual vines individual separated from each other. shoots upright. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So all of the shoots, we tuck into the trellis. Them. And then we clip them. We don't tie them. Because I worked in Napa long enough. I never want to do that again. Uh, but tis the season. If you want to get a yes, little, it is. Get a little vine tying, yeah, and we could probably get you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, hours out there. So but then, that's, that's again, that's again, that's a lot more work. I mean, that's takes time to. It does take time, but if you do it, if you do it as the vine is growing, you only have to do it once. You know, it's like as those shoots grow up, then it's just perfect, and then you hedge it, and then you're done. So we usually only do one hedging pass in the Grenache. We don't have to touch it. Um, the Viognier, we don't touch it. Um, and then, you know, Verasion is, uh, second week of August. And then we usually pick the second week of September, which is on the early yeah, side that's... for the rocks district. But we found that our particular location in the rocks at the same time that we get these monster cold pockets that sit there forever, we also get quite a bit of heat, and it will get to that level of ripening. But like you were talking about earlier with the Viognier, our Viognier is 100%, like, over 28 by the time we pick it with right. the Syrah, right. which is nice. Yeah. I mean, times. pick the, the Syrah, it gets to 25? If we're lucky. If, lucky. if we're lucky. But, yeah, you know, like we were talking about the other day, our Grenache, in a good year, will hit 24 bricks. Right. The flavor is incredible, but it's light it is a very light color um it's super intense but not 
anywhere near a Grenache from here, you know, like the amazing stuff that you guys produce or like stuff from Paso. It just, it will never, it won't get those heat units unless, you know, climate change moves us up a bit more. So, well, I mean, if we picked our Syrah, I mean, our Grenache in, in mid September, we'd be at the same place. Yeah. It just wouldn't taste like anything. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, that's the difference. Yeah. We wait, not because we care necessarily about the bricks, but pick it in mid October and it has flavor. Get those flavor right. profiles. Well, to get flavor want. and also yeah. for tannins to resolve, right? Right. And, and so that's the question is so when you, at 24, does it have pronounced tannins that you're. That, that you have into battle or is it because it's Not just in general lighter you yeah, don't have that problem we haven't really had to to deal with tannin in a, any sort of mitigating way yeah, like, yeah. like it's really I mean smooth it's yeah. really yeah. smooth cool. there but that's also because of the high pH which is just well, right, right. you know what you're getting when you make wine in the rocks <laughs> yeah see and that was something we hadn't even talked about so yeah, yeah it's right. Yeah. Inevitably, it's high pH. It's high pH. Yeah. But in a nice way. (laughs) Well, um, this has been amazing. Um, And talk about just like a spur. Like, uh, we need someone for the podcast. And Sam's like, spur of the moment, man. I'm in town. I can do it. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's cool. You got this sabbatical to this time to. Oh, it's Write fantastic. I feel really lucky training. to be able to pop down here and, yeah. and like learn from, you know, you guys and like like really cool people about stuff that we all love to do. Like how awesome is that? So this paper you're writing, well, I guess we didn't talk about what is it for? It's for the so um, the Washington Wine Industry Foundation. Uh, it's the Powers Sabbatical. Um, it's a, a, a family, the Powers family and um, Badger Mountain uh, came together to provide funds for this. So once a year, they award this to um, producers in the Northwest that, that apply for it. And you can, you know, kind of, they tell you to go anywhere in the world and learn some cool stuff and then bring it back to the Northwest and teach people about it. So this is a, you know, Head Train Vines are obviously a passion project of mine. And, and I hope that more people in the Northwest start growing that way. So yeah Congratulations. Well, you, you. you made the definition and they're using it so that's cool yeah <laughs> i like that yeah you don't get to come up with your uh, own vine training name of vine training right. method very often no not at Whereas, all you know well i didn't call it the robertson i'm not smart dyson right. you know I didn't, I didn't i didn't want that much it's a little more pro- you don't want somebody using your name in a negative stance right, right? So, those damn so. robertson trained vines I yeah they're the worst can't stand <laughs> all that bearing <laughs> can't get anyone to come work on <laughs> nobody will day. work for me yeah the entire picking crew quit halfway yeah. through the harvest <laughs> damn robertson trip method bleeding <laughs> We we love our crews. We love our crews. We wouldn't be anywhere by, without them. Pay by them. the hour to pick grapes. Come on up to Walla Walla. <laughs> Bring your knee pads. Yep. <laughs> we pick an FYBs. It it doesn't actually end up being that bad. It's just you know it's a it's a couple of hours sliding of, along on rocks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They actually slide pretty well. Yeah. They <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're on rollers. Exactly. <laughs> What's next for you? Uh, on this trip? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go talk to Graham McDonald tomorrow, which I am excited about. 
uh, and take a peek at, at his... Uh, Don't call it Tokolon Tokolon Vineyards? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go check out his stuff in Oakville, which will be fun. And then I'm going to spend um, hopefully a lot of time with Tegan um, of Sandlands on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I can get him to take me to Lodi, I, I will beg him to, to do that. Oh, that's an overnight trip, FYI. Totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, 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 after that, I'm heading down to Paso, and I'm going to spend some time with, with John, and then I'm going to go up to talk to the Tablas guys as well, and um, Sasha, um, Verhag, and, and just go geek out on Roan stuff for a while. So, um yeah. Please tell everybody hi. Of from course, us. of yeah. course, we'll do. Cool, and then we'll get you in on our hospice podcasting adventures. If she has time, the hospice if cool kids pod. Yeah, hospice cool kids pod. That's that we've named the show already. Love it. <laughs> where, where are we going to find time though between the the lectures and then doing the the tasting. Just, that's why it's just 20 minute clips 20, 20 minute hits just like trying to you know squeeze it in where you can get it in i mean i the, our recorder has two mics that go out on each side like i think it's handheld yeah, yeah. i think you yeah. can literally walk Absolutely. around and each you know, stand and back and forth mm-hmm. i don't know Perfect. Let's I try mean, it's it. not not like ever like audio recording quality or. No, it is. Important it's going to be the same exact thing. You just are are talking into it. Yeah, you I, can I, put I, it on I, table and get the yeah. entire thing. It's all yeah, good. I think. Yeah. The Daily Show does it all the time, guys. Come on. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a really high bar. Bro. <laughs> Don't do that to us. <laughs> Bart, is this the uh, the final blend, or is this I just mean, the Grenache? Ooh. No, that is the that's the blend. Theoretically, yeah, the blend of okay. what you tasted, yeah, right. and should, yeah, and it's the right cool. thing to do. Yeah. Well, so this so, is uh, yeah. since we're I, I opened nineteen Rossi from oh, okay. the other end of the, of the oh yeah the the spectrum yeah so so what we did here is I, so I made some Rossi Grenache in eighteen nineteen, um, and 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 I also made a little bit of. Um, Muvedra from Rossi and I fermented them separately kind of thinking that maybe I'd make two different wines but ultimately as Sam and I tasted the other day the sum of the whole is better than the individual parts and then it leads to the conversation of why try to ferment them separately why not just ferment them together mm-hmm. you know which I, I know I mean I've done lots of co-ferments um, it is options but sometimes sometimes if you don't make enough options aren't the best right like if again if the sum of the whole if the fermentation of them together is better than the individual parts then maybe that makes the most sense so well you know our conversation and this i'm sure there's something that you're seeing with the grenache field blend that you guys are doing Mm -hmm. grenache on its own even in the best cases can have holes right and and giving yourself options to blend in that you know, Mavedra seamlessly, and this is what we saw with this this wine Bart. The Mavedra had, you know, not that it had a hole, it was just sort of like was more pronounced in the middle than the front of the back, and the Grenache was sort of shallow in the middle, and you put them together, and not only did it fill in that hole, it actually made the Mavedra-ness Come out more, more pronounced. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it yeah. should so be. It's a, a great term. Yeah. Totally. Great term. It's going to be on a t shirt one day. 
Yeah, let's say it a couple more times. Mavedrinus. Mavedrinus. Don't. No, you're Or or if you're cool kid, you say Mavednus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the abbreviation. And then don't call me Mataro. Don't call me Mataro. Ooh, them's fighting words yeah, right exactly. there. Right now, don't, Chris Cottrell's yeah. like the hair. Don't, don't, don't the say that to Tegan, right? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, so how do you guys view Moved uh, in in these types of blends? Is it is it a... Essential. It's obviously... Yeah, it really comes out. I mean, this is beautiful. Um, but is it simply acid or is it you have to have it in there? It's more than acid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's color mm-hmm. um, and it's depth. Right. Yeah, it's it's I, I it's mean, the it's the dark tones. It's the base tones. Um, you know, and, and like I said, this is a totally different wine than the Grenache was on its own, yeah. or, or the Mavedra was on its own. Right. And and you bring them together and you create. To me, it's the signature of, of the Rossi Ranch with those like. Um, clove, five spice, like uh, you know, Asian spice kind of. Uh, oh, totally. Really? But oh, that's. Cool. I don't think you were getting it separately, individually. Yeah. When you bring it together, suddenly there's like the, the the platform for them for those flavors to sort of emerge. Yeah. Um, and 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 in my opinion, Grenache and Muvedra play really well together. And it's the, when you introduce Syrah to it that Syrah can come in and beat everybody up a little bit too uh, much, right? Because yeah. it's just so consuming and so powerful. And I know when we were at Lassiter, as much as we always wanted to make things Grenache-based, it always needed more Mouvedre than what we had available. Mm. And we always had too much Syrah. Right. Um, and so it was hard to kind of, you know, balance it out for what you're growing. Right. Um, yeah. So Movedra is the cowbell. It's what more, you're saying. More cowbell. Well, you know, <laughs> it'd be really interesting to see what Movedra does up there because yeah. it's it's the slowest ripening. It's so slow. It's the reason that we originally chip butted it over to more straw because right. we couldn't get it right. We couldn't get it right. And it was By just a nightmare. It was freezing. Oh yeah. Movedra was still green and hard in the middle yeah it wasn't it wasn't pretty but you know we've left the ones that that i messed up on (laughs) in there happy accident it was a happy accident delmas miracle um and you know we'll we'll see how they come around but i you know i'm so fascinated by this grape because it's just something i'm not super familiar with but every time i have it it's like a revelation i mean it's so amazing what i should have i should have opened or we did a 2020 the you know the making lemonade out of smoky lemons um we did 100 percent rossi ranch movedra rosé and and it is you know bandol is like this wine that, yeah the rosé that yeah. we all dream of of having making um it definitely has that characteristics mm. and you know in a year where the movet you know in a cold year if we ever have one of those ever again yeah i i could see just you know not even bothering with movedra just yeah. make rosé out of it because right. it's it's the right call for that vintage. Right. Uh, and in years where, you know, you're going to get something really ripe, you know, 2018, we did a, a, the Odellini homage from the Rossi Ranch, which is like 80% Mavedra, 20% Syrah. Oh, and cool. because it was, it was ripe enough. Yeah. Um, and you can you can kind of let Mavedra do its thing, do its thing in those vintages. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, the, it's definitely 
of the Roan sort of canon, yeah. the most enigmatic, oh, right? It's the most like kind of you're just sort of dealing with whatever the vintage throws at you, and right. you don't really get a say in what the style is going to be. Um, but well, that's you know again what creates a terroir-driven wine, right? Mm-hmm. You have the Mavedra in there to be that sort of vintage signature in a way that you know Syrah and Grenache can kind of just be varietal, exactly. From year to year. Yeah. Well, do you guys feel that with Syrah specifically? I mean, do you feel that it's it's getting to be just too much in some of these like Rhone blends, and that it, there should be more focus on some of the alternate Rhone varieties? Red wise, I mean, what are your thoughts there? Talking to the bubble, kind of, it's yeah. difficult here. But I mean, you know, the from a from a selling it standpoint, ah. Syrah, you know, Syrah's yeah. a challenge, but maybe the least challenged of their own varieties mm-hmm. to to sell, right? I mean, people yeah. are, you know, the general wine public is more familiar with Syrah than Grenache, certainly Mouvedre, and that's and, true. Um, so there's always sort of that strength that I think, you know, people, you know, and I don't know if this is something that ever kind of happened with Lasseter, but I imagine it did. But, um, you know, you had too much Syrah. Well, that's OK, because selling wine that tastes like Syrah might be just like a simpler prospect than selling wine that is yeah. doesn't taste like Syrah. Exactly. Um, so that's I don't know. That's kind of my take. I, you know, that said, I love the Syrah that we make, and it's always the first thing that sells out. Mm. So. Keep it up, America. Right. <laughs> right. Don't, I mean, don't go changing too much. Right. I mean, Syrah is, suffers an identity crisis. You know, there's there were so many acres of Syrah that probably should have never been planted and so many gallons that were made that made it to what it is. And now there's less acres and the wines are being made better and people are doing a better job with it. But your original question was like in these based wines, you know, I, I prefer the Grenache based wines. And I think that you can have too much Syrah in it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, for me, it's a, I don't get people that are consistently asking for Syrah, but I do get people that consistently ask for blends. Oh, we love okay. blends is what they yeah. say. That's that's and really I, interesting. They may not even know what blends they like. They don't, yeah. they, they don't even mention the blend. Right. Oh. And it's because I think they like, like Bart, you were saying this, some of the parts they think maybe is they're getting a more complex wine than what they typically think of as Syrah. So or you think more of the market is moving away from single variety I have, God, stuff? if I knew I what mean, the market was doing. Right? Um, <laughs> We'd be podcasting on way better equipment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, that's another conversation. We'd all be doing with, collectively a lot better. With, yeah. You know, <laughs> what is that report that just came out with millennials, you know, drinking oh, 20% God, less yeah. wine and... And then Idiots. I'm doing a tasting last week, and it's natural wine. So it's a Cab Franc from Loire. It's a Marsan Rousson from southern France, a, a Champagne. And, and I'm loving the wines. But I, um, So I was saying to someone that I was tasting with, yeah, I think this is kind of where, where things are going. And he's shaking his head. He's mm. more of a traditionalist. So yeah. I mean, it just depends who's sitting next to you. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. No. Yeah. I'm just glad that White Claw is kind of down in sales. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't taste like anything. It's it it's awful. It's like the worst. Flavored metal. It's disgusting, I have to say. Yeah. I, Sam, I think that's a given. What's the, <laughs> what's the age of your average person in the tasting house? Ooh, Visit great question. It. You know, I, I don't do a good enough job tracking, like, true, like, analytics on that. 
probably use some help with that, Kathy Huey, or somebody <laughs> out there who take my numbers. You know, I know that we do well with the quote-unquote millennial age group uh, as far as conversion to membership. Um, ah. And, you know, our, our, our the Phil Sent Me membership, the wine club, is... I, I try and keep it pretty simple. I try and keep it pretty straightforward. It's there's it's very non-punitive. There's no, like, if you're out, you're out. Okay, fine. If you want to skip this one, okay, you can skip this one. It's like, we don't try and, like, hold people's feet to the fire, which I think helps us with that regard. Mm-hmm. You know, from a selling wine standpoint, certainly people Gen X and above buy more volume. They're buying, yes. spending more money. Yeah. But... You know, I, I, you can't just try and sell wine to those people because a, you know, you're you're running out of seller space. Mm-hmm. You know, not to be like macabre. You know, you run people that they reach a point where they're like doctors say stop drinking. Yes, don't, exactly. don't buy more wine. You know, people die. I mean, it's just like yeah. it's a it's a a higher attrition part of the marketplace. So I, I feel like yeah, maybe we don't sell a ton volume wise to the quote unquote millennial members they're just buying the bare minimum you know they're skipping mem- they're skipping shipments because somebody's pregnant or you know whatever right um but long term you know everybody's going to be moving into a place where you know not all of them but some of them move into they're, places where they have the, the sellers f- space their right. collections the future jobs get better really good customers right yeah. the future good customers yeah. so. right and, and as my wife terry always says the other thing is, is because w- we looked at these reports from Silicon Valley uh, briefly, oh, you know, yeah. the charts more than yeah. anything else. Right. But remember, young people, they're still in that thing where they're they're And especially now, they're not getting married as early. Mm-hmm. So they're still single. They're still going out at night. They're going to bars. They're going to restaurants, regardless of COVID. And, and they're more inclined just to drink whatever's in front of them, whether it be beer or seltzers or cocktails, or you know. Tomorrow. Right. Yes, yeah. right? Yeah. And and eventually they will get married and they won't be going out as much and they'll hopefully transition to wine and um you know and 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 our wine our type of wines, exactly. you know, at this level cuz because they already have appreciation for good beer, they're starting to get turned on by cool craft cocktails. Yeah. Um and and so hopefully that's a trans- transition into wine also. And the interesting thing that I, you know, and I this was the quote that I sort of pulled out and sent around our mm-hmm. our group text the, last night or whatever was the shout out to the new wine re- wine reporter for the Chronicle Jess Jess Lander mm. uh in her article um that there's like a a group that's, that's so coming good. It's really good. Thanks, awesome. Um, Thanks, guys. It, it, Thanks so in right? her article, yeah. 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 2018's Lamb Down, if you have sellers, Please if do. you're not a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not seller. a millennial. Um, yeah. But what her article was that places that have success with millennials, it's about the agriculture, it's about the farming, it's about being transparent and how you're making your wine and where it's coming from and having this real story that, you know, the, the incoming generations of wine buyers aren't necessarily buying it because it's got a but, cool but label at the same about not being intimidating you guys are a lifestyle brand whether you guys kind of know it or not you know, uh, when double, people come double visit, tie-dye lifestyle double tie-dye people come Gotta visit do you it. guys here they <laughs> from the, st- the, <laughs> the stoned district lifestyle no, brand, yes. and people they connect <laughs> so with that lifestyle that you guys Re-branding, have and they yeah. want to be a part of that and and i mean i notice that when i'm here that 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 people they 
the wines are great, so they love the wines, but mm-hmm. they more want to be a part of what you guys are doing. Right. Well, that's where I think the switch is really coming in, is like you see more and more people, just people in general, regardless of age group, going, but where is this from? Yeah. You know, who's making yes. it? As opposed to just buying something stock off the shelf where they're like, I guess I'll buy a right. straw yeah. oh, today. somebody said that has two gold medals and 94 points. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. You know, they want the story They yeah. because that's what's important today. Because otherwise, if you don't know where your apple came from or where your lettuce came from today or, yep. you know, your wine specifically, you want to be a part of that story. You want to come down here and talk to you, be like, tell me the story of this wine. That's yep. powerful. Yep. And when people have a direct touch to the producer specifically, that's like... Yeah. Then they f- they get to feel like they're a part of the club, and everybody wants yep. to be in a club. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I do when I sell wine. Now I never talk about leather, blackberries. It's always about you know Stone Edge Farm. It's about farming. It's mm-hmm. Blue Farm. It's about Molar Rock and what her mm-hmm. history. And then then w- when you know that the the person that's making the product that you're consuming is an honest real genuine person then you trust everything else that they do exactly yeah yeah it doesn't come from a focus group right it's not not (laughs) ad agency builds a brand and And that's the way this font makes you feel this way john (laughs) (laughs) shout shout out tim tim (laughs) (laughs) but i mean that's you know people are moving away from you know just trusting those visual yeah. brand images, yeah. you know, sort of keys, and doesn't matter what the label looks like no. or which, who made it and where they made it and how they made it. And if you can't get that, or if you pretend that, yes, that's the bigger thing I think is like the people that are pretending to be of that ilk. Right. It's just like no, this is a joke, and you can see through it. You know, it's very clear. Like, I can, I can like walking, like walking through the vineyard with a shovel, a shovel and, and, and a, a bottle pair of, of gloves Pinot Noir, and a bottle of Pinot Noir, <laughs> yeah. with the cleanest hands and the cleanest pants, and right. the manicure cleanest, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that, talk about that, talk about a lifestyle. That got some. That got some. Be some social media biscuits. <laughs> the one <laughs> the I really on, liked on Twitter the, last week. The ladies uh, uh, pruning the vine with the. Uh, but uh, that's real. Uh, that's somebody. She's in Washington. Uh, uh, Davy, Devi, Elise, I don't, I, I forget the name of the, she just sent, she bought some wine from us, I bought a bottle, a couple of bottles from her, I'm not forgetting the name of their label, hmm. I know they're podcast listeners, so, yeah. so now I'm in trouble, but they're, <laughs> they're in Willamette, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, if I, someone's up visiting the greater Walla Walla area, mm-hmm. is there a place to come taste the wines? Come taste our wines? Yeah. No, okay. there's not. I don't know. Okay. You know what you can do? On our website... You can sign up for a tour, and this is a two-hour free tour with either Steve Robertson or myself where you come to SJR, we tell you everything that we know, we tell you all about the Rocks District, and then later we will point you in the direction of restaurants and bottle shops in the area where you can try our wines. Perfect. Again, we don't make a lot of this. <laughs> so, 16 acres. Yeah, it's right. 13. 13 acres. It's very, very small. So in the next handful of years, though, I will tell you, we have a little piccolo project that we are building a... Did you say pickpool? <laughs> <laughs> Who said pickpool? A Burblunk project? <laughs> well, okay. Squirrel. 
we're, it's 100% that. It's so that. Um, we're, we're building a, a small structure at SJR that will be a um, beauty spot, glorious spot where people can come and they can get the exact same tour, but then we will also be able to pour you wine because we will have a structure right now. We are like farming in the best sense where it's just a vineyard. We don't have anything out there. Do not come in the wintertime unless you want to be in 20 degree fog, standing out there for two hours with my dad because he will keep you out there for that full amount of time. <laughs> oh, you're here for the two hour tour, he huh? Does not, he right, is go. so excited to talk to people you about what we do that he doesn't care. Yeah, he's just like, oh, you're you're sweating out of your shirt? That's all right. I feel fine. Let's go. It may roll go. over a little yeah. more than two hours, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. prepare yourselves. All right. All right, thanks. You guys want to do some shout outs? Yep. Uh, Matt and Janice, who I didn't realize until they came in for dinner. Um, Dan. They were on the Wine Tours podcast. They were on the Wine Tour, and I was working the bar. Uh, Dan was working the restaurant, but he said, hey, they just ordered some Roussan, um, and they said that they listened to the podcast. Your Roussan. My Roussan. Is that the only Roussan on the list at at the Fairmont? No, I'm not. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) The only one. The only one that's there. I don't even tell people I made it unless, anyway, it has to be Unless extreme. they read the label? Unless yeah. they, and then my name tag says Casey, so they have no idea. Um, but but I went over and talked to them and didn't realize that they were had visited uh, Bart and, I guess, Jasmine and then Casey Graybell. And Bedrock. Um, I mean, if, if oh, and Bedrock. So, they need to give those guys and then, of course, out. what did they buy? at? Uh, they, they ordered glasses of the Roussan and then bought a bottle of the uh, Buckland Old Hill uh, Grenache, uh, Otto's Grenache. Um, so I just want to say shout out to uh, them. It's nice to have you guys come stay. And it made me think that we should have a uh, tour company. Ooh. In all of our free time. Right, I know. I see, these, all that I see these buses just have. sitting there. The, the bus, there's a, new, there's a new owner of the bus company. Oh, I didn't realize. Garrett and Nicole sold two buses and then the, or three buses and the company to one of their drivers. Uh, so oh, same, cool. same okay. vibe, same everything, still book on Airbnb, but... Uh, now, now it's Jake driving instead of Garrett driving. Oh, Hadn't okay, been Garrett cool. driving in a while anyway. Yeah. So, actually, um, congrats to everybody on that part. Yeah, West sure. Wine Tour is still going strong. Awesome. Cool. Check it out. Um, and then shout out to um, um, to Vicky Carroll. So if you guys, I, I really recommend getting those last few tickets. 50 that are tickets left, for people. HDR Go get them. Um, actually, now, yeah. And what a fucking amazing it's incredible. Um, lineup of lecture series that we're going to do this time. Um, Cave to Tain, which I don't know if I pronounce that correctly. We never pronounce anything correctly here. And Cob de Tain, and then the Rocks, Tainer and then we're going to do um, Horsepower with Jeb Dunnick, and yeah, then the um, and then what is the fourth? The fourth is um, oh, it's, uh, um, it's another really good seminar. You should listen to it. Unbelievable, <laughs> um, unbelievable seminar. Wait, it's French. It oh, is. oh! I know what it is. Uh, it's Vontu. So oh, that's right. That's um, right. It is. Yep. Nicole Rollet uh, from Sean oh, Blue, I'm sure, is uh, friend of the podcast. Yep. Friend of the podcast. She she actually sent me a card the other day. She will be there, so we can't wait to hook up with her and see. I mean, it's gonna be the, the wines that we're gonna drink. It is a Rhone gonna, reunion team. It's a Rhone gasm. Yes. Um, Rhone gasm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I, the seminars are all fantastic. There's no. Time to go to the seminars. Are you kidding? <laughs> There's a all lot of shenanigans. All four to be of had. them? That's a. 
It's lunch right. Yeah, the dinners and there's gonna be some cool right. dinners. You're not riding your bike at all unless you're planning on getting right only home, getting <laughs> injured. <laughs> Please. That's how I sweat the night before out. Gotta sweat the Grenache out. <laughs> no, it ain't happening. All right, anyone else? Uh, well, I'll, you know my obligatory moment of self-promotion. Uh, this yeah. is coming out with the uh, this episode landing. Tomorrow, Brooke, so you can get oh, cool. on that. Um, is this is Philippe's birthday, the 21st uh, of January. Ah, that's that would have right. been his 60th birthday. Yep. We had long ago planned uh, that the Audutet release would be on his birthday. Um, he should have, he was supposed to be here. Should have been, uh, should have been here. Um, his doctor said, don't go, Omicron, and then, um, and then he passed. So we're keeping rolling with the Audutet release this month. Um, if you're not on that list, email me and I'll squeeze you back into the list. Um, but the 2019 Rossi Ranch and Oakville Ranch Grenaches are free and live in the world uh, as as this speaks. So. Well, I'm buying both like I did. The, 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 the real fun of having both of those wines is same grape, same winemaker, same grower. Same clone. You got to have clone. Both. Two different yeah. regions, really side by cool side. Really cool to try side by side. The whole, yeah. The whole point yeah, we get some. The whole thing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just really good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for um, stopping and picking over. up the wine because... Absolutely. Hey, thanks for buying a bottle hey, of your own hey. wine to bring to the show. You yeah. know what, though? The more I buy of it, the more they buy from me. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> and you should... And, and it's probably okay to expense it. That's a I, really yeah. good yeah. business model, though. Not particularly. Yeah, that's, it a, is that's a cash flow <laughs> negative. Yeah. Uh, Sell it wholesale, Brian. buy it retail. Buy it off the, yeah. But if no. you get out and see Todd on your way out of town, I bet you'll sell a little more through him. There so we go. That. I know. I do need to stop by there. You get a sandwich. Yeah, yeah and a sandwich. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I, this was such Thank a you. this was so much fun. I love sitting here with you guys and tasting through everything, and this was a blast. Thank you so much for having Thanks me. For Thank you on. for coming on. Yeah, Check off another wine business leader. Yeah, you got to do the cover, poster, man. You co-cover. Do Check them off. People. Texas. <laughs> 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 so on brand for us. It's glorious. All right, everybody. We'll Subscribe, review, yeah. tell your friends only if they're cool. Thank you.